0: The following episode of Annals on Call is brought to you by Annals of Internal Medicine. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and participants during this episode are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the American College of Physicians, the editors of Annals of Internal Medicine, or the institutions that the speakers are affiliated with unless so identified. All relevant financial relationships have been mitigated. Information contained herein should never be used as a substitute for clinical judgment. For more episodes, links to CME and MOC, or to view disclosures, visit go.annals.org slash on call.
1: Therapists would probably question whether in some cases we've been under dosing our exercises with patients, and in some cases overdosing them.
2: high-versus-low-dose exercise therapy for knee osteoarthritis. It's in the January 2023 issue of the Annals of Internal Medicine. Joining us on the podcast is Patty Perez, who's a physical therapist with a doctor of science in physical therapy and associate professor in uh, the UAB physical therapy training program. She's won multiple awards for teaching and was my physical therapist for uh, one of my running injuries. We hope that you learn a lot about the role of physical therapy, both for knee osteoarthritis and in general. Patty, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I have so many friends who have knee osteoarthritis, and it doesn't seem to me like uh, all of them are taking advantage of uh, physical therapy. And so I found this article fascinating because I didn't really know much about the benefits or even the exercises that could be done for knee osteoarthritis. So maybe you could start out by just talking about from a physiotherapist's point of view, when you have a patient referred for knee osteoarthritis, what are the things you're thinking
1: yeah, it's a great question. And unfortunately, one that you would think would be simple and that everybody would be aware of. But in general, you know, for this population, I don't necessarily think that the aims of exercise are that different than it would be for a healthy population. And the reason for that is that some of the aims are are fairly similar. What becomes different is taking into account some of the specifics of the disease process and having to tailor exercises to accommodate that. So when we think about a patient that's referred to physical therapy, you know, I would say that probably the maybe the three big exercise focuses seem to be some type of aerobic activity, some type of resistance for strengthening activity, and some type of flexibility activity. And I think when we address those we're kind of getting at some of the 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 main things that are going to improve their functional activity and participation levels. It's not to say there aren't other things that we would have we would address. I think they become components of it like neuromuscular control and some of the psychosocial aspects of exercise that are important for all populations. But generally Trying to protect the joint and optimize mobility, strength, and then the overall benefits of an aerobic program in terms of pain modulation are particularly important.
2: Aerobic would be walking for most people. Some people might be doing some jogging. Uh, muscular is that is that more in the quadriceps and hamstrings? Uh, what where are we trying to strengthening what?
1: Yeah, that's another great question. So, you know, I think we tend to think of obviously a knee problem, we go straight to the hamstrings and quadriceps. And those are definitely a big part of the focus that will help to kind of provide some dynamic stability and support to the joint. But a lot of these individuals, at least in my experience, we find that they have strength limitations in surrounding joints, particularly the hip. So you see a lot of hip weakness that can thereby increase some of the forces and stress put on the knee joint, which for somebody with OA is not going to be tolerated very well. And we could say the same thing distally, people who have foot and ankle issues and inefficiencies with those muscles. Again, The knee is is sadly positioned between these two critical joints. Mm -hmm. So it gets the brunt of the inefficiencies above and below.
2: Uh, What you're doing is you're trying to decrease the stress put on the knee from the hip or the ankle, not being strong enough or not being stable enough.
1: Right. So if you imagine somebody who has a lot of weakness in, say, their hip abductors, which is not uncommon. So their inability to kind of sustain a a more neutral position of their hip oftentimes results in what we call a medial collapse, where they'll get an, an adduction moment at their hip and their femur kind of tracks medially. And then, of course, that puts additional stress on the components of the knee
2: great right. What I really liked about this study is the the, the whole rationale of how much exercise therapy matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was reading the introduction, it sounds like they this is a theme of this group to look at high and low dose exercise therapy. Maybe you could explain the rationale and what what do they mean by high and low dose exercise therapy.
1: Sadly, that's a loaded question and may vary depending on who you ask. So when we think about exercise dosing, we you know we tend to think about principles of frequency, intensity, the time that you're doing it, the type of exercise, kind of overall volume. And by altering one or several of those variables, it's going to obviously increase sort of the body's response or decrease the body's response to those variables. I don't know that everybody's always talking the same language when they talk dosing, which I think is the reason we don't have very good answers. Sometimes I think we're asking different questions. So in this particular study, you know, they looked at high dosing and, and they kind of looked at variable, mostly variables relative to the total time spent doing the exercise, which in that high dose group was 70 to 90 minutes, which can be kind of overwhelming for some, Mm -hmm. but they also um, in the course of that time did more sets and reps of particular exercises. So you're looking at higher reps in that group, a longer kind of overall volume or time that they spent doing it, and versus the low dose group, which then I think on average 20 to 30 minutes of total time exercising and their sets and reps were much lower. So they were doing like two sets of 10 of each of these kind of types of exercises. I think what's interesting with this medical exercise therapy approach is that while the therapist is kind of determining what's the best sort of Resistance level; it's all very much predicated on keeping it Mm pain-free. So there are a lot of strategies to try to offload a joint so that they're able to move through the required parameters of an exercise without ramping up their pain. So from that perspective, both groups were somewhat similar.
2: Yeah. So for the people who uh, want to get one more, a little bit more depth, Figure One in the article that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. has pictures with times of all of these exercises. It's on the third page of the article Mm -hmm. and uh, might be uh, interesting. It certainly is interesting to me since I do a lot of working out uh, to see what kind of exercises they're talking about. So the rationale here is spending more time doing more reps versus less time. And it seems like less time, 20 to 30 minutes, that's the that's a pretty good physical therapy session.
1: Right. You know, and, and I think historically, as we keep kind of learning better questions to ask, I think therapists as a whole would probably question whether in some cases we've been under dosing mm-hmm. our exercises with patients and in some cases overdosing them. I think it can go either way. And I know in the past, there have been some studies looking at patients with hip Away. And, you know, I've been in physical therapy for a long time. And traditionally, those folks would be treated, and you know, if they got to the point where they needed a total hip replacement, they got the hip, they were told to walk, and that was it. And we're, kind of, we're seeing now that that was significantly underdosing a lot of those patients in order to really optimize their ability to get back to things that are typically important to those
2: I guess the thing, thing that I, I didn't see in this article that uh, if I had any osteoarthritis, I'd worry about, and I know my friends have worried about this is when is exercise good enough? And will, will this delay me needing to get my knee replaced? Because a lot of these people end up with knee replacement. They didn't address that question.
1: No. And, and I don't know um, if I'm kind of thinking back, I think the, um, you know, I don't know how severe, obviously, the patients had to be at a level where they they could tolerate this dosing of exercise, right. whether they were randomized into the high or the low dose group. So, you know, I think that that's, all, again, another hard question, and I hate to keep saying that, but I think the truth of what makes this so hard is that, one, some of this population... Um, when, and maybe the whole population in general we we tend to perceive pain as always bad and a sign that we should stop where that may not always be the case and I think what we as physical therapists do is try to based on the patient's personal characteristics their comorbidities you know we try to determine what's an acceptable level for them to have some discomfort and we're pretty specific with them you know like it's okay if your pain, goes up a few ticks on your numeric pain rating. However, that should settle within this reasonable time parameter. And so if patients understand that this is sort of a normal part of what they have, and it doesn't necessarily equate to damage, Mm -hmm. um, then they're a lot more receptive to this idea of moving. And for most of them, that for me, I, I think that's one of the biggest barriers is that fear that engaging in an exercise program is going to make it worse.
2: And they refer to this in the article, and I think that you're you're painting a picture for us, which I think is important for physicians to understand, mm-hmm. is that physical therapy is not just ha- having them do the exercise and not just figuring out where there is muscle weakness uh, that they need to uh, fix, or there's hip weakness that that is referring to the knee, but there's also a less easily defined benefit of the physical therapist really encouraging the patient and the the psychological aspect of working on your problem uh, that in and of itself can help for with with the right patients uh highly motivated patients take to physical therapy because now I'm doing something active for my problem
1: right I think I think you're exactly right and I think If you approach it in a very tunnel vision way of I'm here, here's your exercises, go for it. And don't take into account the personal factors that, you know, I don't know that we can fully appreciate how difficult it is for patients sometimes to get through a day. You know, we don't necessarily know how hard it is for them to get to therapy. We don't know sort of what other, hopefully we're checking, but, you know, Mm -hmm. taking into account the other stressors that they have in their life. So in some cases to ask somebody to do 90 minutes of exercise when they're struggling to feel like they they're caring for their child or for their their ill parents and they're trying to work and they're struggling to make enough money these can be really challenging things. So I think being able to take into account those environmental personal factors for me is a huge part of whether your exercise program is going to be successful or not.
2: Well, I, I know when, uh, and full disclosure, you helped me with, uh, an, uh, iliotibial band problem, uh, a number of years ago. And We worked together very closely, but you also gave me work to do outside, which Mm -hmm. is different than this study, because in this study, they were with a physical therapist three times a week with the high dose and three times a week with the low dose for 12 full weeks. I think that's right. Correct. Mm -hmm. And and that may not be the way most people use physical therapy, at least in this country.
1: And sadly, shall I say, I think sometimes that's driven more by third party payer coverage for patients and as opposed to always kind of what we think is the best thing and again not i don't mean to say this disparagingly because you know we, we have to we have to exist in the system that we have but it becomes a real i'm sure you experience this too but it becomes a real dilemma when you're struggling with you know this notion that i really feel like this is going to be optimal you to get what I think will be optimal Improvement without also burdening them with an additional Financial yeah issue yeah. so so trying to to kind of figure out that perfect blend for folks what we could we could have a week-long podcast on how to how to fix that
2: we've sort of defined the study and and there are many more details in the article right. but what, what is your interpretation of the results of this study?
1: It was interesting because, you know I probably would have been in their camp thinking that the higher dose group would have had more more impressive outcomes compared to the low dose group. And that's not really what they found, which, you know, could be exciting for some thinking, well, you know, I may be able to to get as decent benefits. And I think they were clear to say that the fact that the high-dose group was not superior did not necessarily mean that the low-dose group was better, that that was a better approach, because I think they defined it as a superiority study that they were really looking to see, which is, again, kind of an interesting spin on it. I think the the fact that the one thing where the high-dose group sort of excelled was in the more Athletic fit group where they're trying to get to a higher level of activity, so their outcome scores were better for those types yeah. of of activities. And for me, I think that's an important thing because I think you can fall into the trap, patients and healthcare providers, of thinking, well, this person has osteoarthritis; they need to back off on doing some of these things that that they enjoy or they want to pursue. And I think if done in the right way and you're giving them parameters where they're not necessarily overloading and causing pain and they're progressing it in a very structured way, they can likely continue to do some of those higher level activities, which again, provide them a lot of personal satisfaction.
2: Yeah, so for example, uh, a tennis player is highly motivated to keep on playing tennis because that's their great joy of uh, aerobic exercise Mm -hmm. uh, is willing to work harder Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, will, will, will benefit because they see the outcome and whether, whether that's all physical and partly mental that you learn how to deal with the pain is we can't tell from the study. Yeah. But, uh, but I think that, that what you've, really stress so nicely for us is that it's the right exercise for the right person.
1: Right. And continuing to to monitor response to it. Because again, we don't know, you know, one person's OA experience is going to be very different from another. So not tailoring the program and responding to differences in how the disease may or may not progress is yeah. A certainly, another factor to consider.
2: I thought it was, it was encouraging that both groups had significant improvements mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in what, what is called the uh, uh, the knee. A it's called knee the, function. The cost or something. The like coos. that Goose. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the knee
1: osteoarthritis I, outcome score.
2: So, given that are primary care physicians under referring to physical therapy for osteoarthritis, do you? And you you're teaching students now. Should they be expecting to see more of these patients? We know we can that you can help them.
1: Right, right. So you know, I guess full disclosure as a physical therapist, you know, I always think, you know, gosh, give us, give us the. If if we can prevent things from getting to a point where people can't enjoy their life, that's always preferable than having to try to deal with issues to hopefully get them back to doing those things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, primary prevention is, is, is kind of a, you know, I I think more and more physical therapists are wanting to sort of be recognized as kind of a a go-to person for health promotion and wellness, Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to always dealing with Mm -hmm. um, dysfunctions that Mm -hmm that have become established. So from that perspective, I would like to see the practice of physical therapy, you know, see more people actually operating in that way. So a primary care physician would be likely to say, you know, we don't, you know, we see some mild OA changes on your on your films. I think it might be good to get with a physical therapist. Let's get you established with a way to kind of guide your exercise program so that you can continue to do things that are important to you. So, so from that perspective, I think it's, it's certainly, I think it's a good idea. Does everybody need to have that amount of supervised therapy? I, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, my gut says probably not. There could be some education. Um, and again, depending on the personal factors, if it's somebody who's very reticent to exercise, they may need that, kind of level of guidance to show them what they're capable of and to kind of give them that reinforcement versus somebody who's already kind of in the, the mindset of, I want to continue exercising. I just want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. They may need much less in terms of educating them on an appropriate program.
2: And just to put in a plug for physical therapy, because I've been the, uh, uh, I've used physical therapy several times in my in my life to maintain activity and, and to good results. The physical therapist doesn't just uh, prescribe you what to do. they also are diagnosing, as you said before, is there hip weakness, is there quad weakness? Is there hamstring weakness? is there, is there ankle weakness? And so they're putting together a program that uh, will differ for different people. Uh, to try to strengthen the things that can be strengthened to take stress off the knee, for example. Right.
1: So you know we we teach and we practice in a way that we're trying to come up with a physical what we call a physical therapy diagnosis. Very. You know, I'm not necessarily here to say I'm or not necessarily here to say I'm going to diagnose whether somebody has OA or cancer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be screening for those things because if I see evidence that. This person has some clinical signs and symptoms that seem consistent with something. Well, that's where I'm going to be getting them into your office to say, hey, you know, this I'm seeing this person for a garden variety ankle sprain, but there are some things going on. They haven't been to a physician in a while, think they need to be be checked out. So I think, you know, I think that the idea of this diagnosis, we're kind of in the, the business of trying to diagnose movement dysfunction that alters the patient's ability to kind of live the way they want to live.
2: Well, Patty, I can't thank you enough uh, for discussing this with us. My obvious c- conflict of interest is that you did a wonderful job for me when, when I had an injury, uh, but you really explained very nicely what the role is of the physical therapist. And I think that th- this is both about the ability of physical therapists to help patients with knee osteoarthritis and also about us having a better appreciation for what you can do. So thanks so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you for asking me. It's been it's been fun.
2: Now it's time for Bob's Pearls. It's clear from this study that physical therapy does help patients with knee osteoarthritis. However, it's unclear what the optimal amount is and that's probably because physical therapy is multifactorial and often has to be designed for the individual patient so it's unclear that the study provides a clear standard for the duration of physical therapy or the amount of physical therapy what is clear is that physical therapists can help patients get the right exercise for their goals and their Degree of neostearthritis. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast.
0: Information contained herein should never be used as a substitute for clinical judgment. For more episodes, links to CME and MOC, or to view disclosures, visit go.anals.org slash on call.